Well, hello there, my friend. Welcome aboard to the Catholic Teacher Pretty Much Daily Podcast. My name's Jonathan Doyle. It is good that you are here. Really trusting that the Holy Spirit's going to help me bring you something useful today. As one of my all-time favorite speakers used to say, you don't need a whole bunch of ideas to change your life. You just need one good idea that you're actually prepared to use. So it doesn't often matter how much we know, it matters what we do with what we know. So the purpose of this short podcast is to give you encouragement, insight, ideas that you can execute that are useful to you in your crucial, precious vocation as a Catholic teacher. We're going to jump in. About two weeks ago, I had the great pleasure and privilege of speaking to about 250 senior high school students, all boys, in the wonderful city of Melbourne, and I was there to help out uh, to do the inputs for their retreat day. And it was a really interesting group because of all the lockdowns and the other government craziness. They had not had access to a spiritual retreat for quite a few years. And so it was a great privilege to kind of be there and to reintroduce some of the great questions. And the way I took them through that day was to frame the three great questions of philosophy, which are, who am I or what am I? That's like Christian personalism, Christian philosophical anthropology. Who am I? Where am I going? that we are beings imbued with free will, the capacity for choice. How, what should I become, you know, on that journey of life? Where am I going? And finally, who will go with me? The concept of community and the important people in our lives. So that was the shape of the day. And it was just a wonderful opportunity to uh, to have those inputs and to speak to so many fine young men as they commence their journey of life. And what I wanted to share with you today was at the end of the day, young man came up and asked me a question just one-on-one, which I love doing. You know, at the end of the day, it's a great sort of joy and privilege to take one-on-one questions. And he asked me the question that I've heard in different forms from young people over many years. And I'll just, before I tell you what it was, I, I preface it by saying, you know, for many years, speaking to hundreds of thousands of young people around the world, you always have a resident atheist or two. I think John F. Kennedy said there's nothing quite so amusing in the world as a young man who has discovered an old idea and thinks it's his own. So sometimes you used to find that the room could be stacked with young Richard Dawkins's in training, and their job was to to uh, critique pretty much everything he was saying. So I learned to uh, to, I guess, endure the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune as a speaker. Uh, but these are genuine questions, right? So there are always young people who wrestle with these questions of faith. I actually think there's an openness to faith for many young people because of the complexity and um, suffering of our times. But let's get to the question, right? Everybody's going, Jonathan, this is good, but come on, get to the question. What did he ask you? Well, he just said to me the obvious ultimate question. He said, because I'd shared my sort of faith, I'd shared my conversion story at the end of the day. And he said, well, how do you, how do you know that Christianity is... Is this real? Is true? How do you know it's true? It's the great question, right? And I fired around a few quick answers, but then I suddenly remembered the one great answer. The one answer that really had shaped so much for me over the years, and I want to give it to you as Catholic teachers. I think it's a great response to the question. When any young person goes, well, you know, well, how do I know that other religions aren't really true? And then people go down the rabbit hole of, well, you know, God's speaking through all the different faiths. Well, yeah, friends, but he spoke authoritatively through his son and his son established a church. So that's not to disregard, as John Paul II would say. I think, it, I don't know whether it was in memory and identity. I think he wrote this 
where you talked about the striving and search for truth that's present in all the world's great faiths. But how do we know that Catholicism, Christianity, is true? Well, the good news for you is it comes down to one single word. Isn't that good? One single word, which for me is the ultimate proof of the veracity of the Christian proposition, which is simply this one word, resurrection. Everybody's like, Jonathan, it's taking you four minutes and 26 seconds to get to the answer. That's not too bad. It could take me four hours, but I got there in four minutes. Be grateful. So resurrection, what is it? C.S. Lewis said, if Christianity is true, it's of ultimate importance. If Christianity is false, it's of no importance. What Christianity cannot be is of moderate importance. I think that's a really, really powerful construct from C.S. Lewis because think about the claims of the Christian proposition, right? That we are created from all eternity in the mind of God. We're given the gift of life and free will. Something has happened in the creation that has led to a rupture in our relationship with God and that God sent his only son in the person of Jesus Christ to die and rise again for our sins to open the way back to the Father's house. So if that's true, that's kind of a big deal, right? It, it's because it covers every aspect of human existence. It covers our origin story, where we come from. It explains the world to us in terms of the sin that we see in the world. People, Young people often really struggle with that. If God's good, why is there sin in the world? It's because of free will, because people have the freedom to break the covenant with God in their own hearts. I mean, Tolstoy said that the dividing line of good and evil runs through the middle of the human heart, right? And so this proposition is of ultimate importance. It, it, it concerns our eternal destiny. If the Christian proposition is true, it concerns our eternal destiny. You know, where are we going to be for, you know, billions and trillions don't even matter at that point, you know? It's our eternal destiny. So if it's not true, then it's, it's a complete lie and a fabrication, and we should expose it as such people try to do that but what it can't be is somewhere in between right? <laughs> the propositions are too big so this concept of the resurrection everything my friend hinges on the resurrection you see if the resurrection didn't happen the entire christian proposition falls over and then you've got to explain all sorts of other things like well you know you know the idea that uh, sometimes people say well what they did is the disciples they came and they and they stole the body or they paid off the Roman guards, and they stole the body, and they developed this cult around Jesus. Well, we have some problems with that. Uh, first is, do you pay off the Roman guards? Right, because the penalty for failing to secure that tomb was death. All right, so so they're basically going to go to these guards and say, hey, guards, you know, seriously, uh, we'll give you a 50 denarii or whatever, right? We'll give you 50 days wages to um, to give us the body back so we can start a cult around it that's going to get us all killed. <laughs> what do you say? So, you know, if you, if you were attaching basic jurisprudence to this, you would, you would kind of go, this doesn't stack up. Like, it doesn't stack up. The Roman guards wouldn't have gone in for it. And then the ultimate thing is, Babylon B did a really good skit on this recently. Like, always remember, what was the upside for the disciples? So, Think of Peter, right? The, the the strongest of the apostles panics, denies Christ three times, runs away, and then spends after the resurrection, like all of the apostles, ends up radically preaching Christ at the cost of his life. 
So remember for the early apostles, right, if you deny Christ, if you if you kept promoting Christ, what did you stand to lose? Well, the answer is everything. Your social status, your property, and then your life. So what explains their behavior? And for me, what's always explained it is they must have literally encountered something so utterly compelling. For me, the presence of Christ. So the real and risen Christ must have entered that room and appeared to them as he did multiple times and to more than 500 witnesses. So in the absence of the resurrection, you have to explain how they managed to develop a cult around you know, a body that they somehow managed to steal and that gave them absolutely no financial reward, social reward, uh, but led them to suffering and death. If the resurrection did happen, then everything changes. The entire axis point of human history changes, and it does. It literally has changed. I'm reading Tom Holland's book at the moment, Dominion. I recommend it to you. It's 750 pages. I'm almost finished. But he tracks the Christian story, the Christian proposition from uh, sort of Roman times, pre-Christian times, right the way through into the 20th century. And it's an incredible read. But just, just the power of the Christian story to impact human history. So there it is. What makes, you know, when, when a young person says to you, come on, miss, come on, sir, how do you know Christianity is true? You just go, the resurrection. Just go, the resurrection. Because if the resurrection's false, and then you just ask them to explain it, say, well, what do you think happened? They go, well, I don't know. And you go, well, you need to know. Because, you know, where each human person comes down to on the question of the resurrection is incredibly significant. Incredibly significant. So, friends, I want you to have courage. I want you to get back out there amongst young people. I want you to share the gospel. I want you to preach Christ in season and out of season. Welcome, unwelcome. Preach Christ. Preach his resurrection. Preach what he did to return us all home to the house of the Father. Right? That's the incredible mandate on your life as a Catholic educator. All right. If you'd like to book me to speak, either to students or to staff or conferences, there'll be a link here where you can uh, just book a time and we can talk and see how I can help. But for now, get back out there, share this with people. Please make sure you've subscribed to the podcast. Let's go and live in the power and the light of the resurrection. God bless you, my friend. My name's Jonathan Doyle. This is The Catholic Teacher, pretty much daily podcast. And you and I are going to talk again tomorrow.